Chapter Nineteen of the Sealed Message by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Nineteen, Signor Venosta. Gerald did nothing until the conclusion of the presumed Charity Bird's engagement at the Belver Theatre. There was no need to do so for the moment, as the scheme to hide her had proved entirely successful, and no one guessed where to look for the much-wanted Mavis mrs palamodon took her to the theatre waited for her there and escorted her back again so that mavis spoke very little to the people behind the scenes gerald often came to supper and spent much of his time at the bloomsbury flat he was supposed to be writing a new book but in reality he indulged himself with a holiday to make love to the girl he had so strangely rescued but when the belver theatre closed for a time mrs palamodon feeling the want of a change took mavis to south end and there occupied pleasant apartments looking out on to the sea mavis did not like to be parted from her lover as he could not see her so frequently but mrs palamodon pointed out that haskins would have to begin his search for the true murderer of bellaria so that things could be put right also as mavis was being taught to read and write by the old actress it was just as well that gerald should not come too often to distract the scholar's attention from her lessons so mrs palamodon stopped with mavis at the lively seaside town happy in the company of the girl and happy also to receive glowing letters from mrs todd macandrew in which she expatiated on her heavenly honeymoon haskins found his time hang rather heavily on his hands when mavis and her new guardian left london he wished to wait for Todd before beginning operations, but it would be quite a fortnight until MacAndrew returned, and until then there was nothing to do. Gerald tried to write a few chapters of his new book, in vain. The thought of Mavis and of her perilous position filled his head, so he was obliged to throw aside his literary work until matters were made straight for the girl. Having come to this conclusion, he resolved not to wait for Todd's arrival, but to work at the case himself. The difficulty was how to begin arnold had stated plainly that he believed reb to be the guilty person but of this gerald could not be sure he was convinced that if bellaria's life had stood between reb and the six thousand a year she would have been murdered long ago moreover the story of how geary's knife came to be used sounded very plausible and if reb were guilty haskins believed that he would not have told the police about the weapon as he had done when the inquest was held then again arnold did not know the true reason of bellaria's fear and why she had buried herself in that secluded devonshire village it struck gerald that the tana society had traced bellaria dondi to leegarth and there she had been slain as she expected mrs birch knew of bellaria's dread of the coral hand as gerald had told her about it when she called to claim it again she might have informed venosta who had bestowed the amulet on mrs crosby he was undoubtedly an emissary of the tana society and probably was the real criminal arguing in this way haskins resolved to call on mrs crosby and question her mother as to whether she had betrayed bellaria to the burly italian also he was anxious to learn why signor venosta had given the coral hand to the widow as it was incredible to think that she belonged to such a cut-throat organization but there must be some reason why mrs crosby should hold the trinket which had so sinister a significance and this gerald made up his mind to see into finally as a third reason for his visit he desired to know when reb and mrs crosby would marry if todd were right about the widow's impecuniosity and gerald believed that he was she would not become the major's wife unless he was certain of his income and while mavis remained undiscovered reb could by no means be certain 
gerald would have asked arnold to come to london but he thought it best that he should not be seen in the company of shybar as the major might suspect that something was wrong it was of course impossible that rebb could ever trace mavis but it was just as well to be on the safe side so arnold remained in exeter touring the surrounding country as far as silbury denley and leegarth keeping a keen eye on geary and communicating to gerald by registered letters all the gossip dealing with the case which he could gather it seemed from the little man's epistles that the excitement had died down after bellaria was buried and a belief existed that mavis while flying from justice had fallen into some river and had been drowned whether the negro or reb shared this comfortable belief haskins could not discover he thought not else the major might have been still more afraid of losing his illegal income in spite of his denial that mavis had any relatives either on the father's or mother's side it was possible that the gallant officer lied and if relatives existed they would certainly claim the money if mavis was supposed to be dead a few days therefore after mavis had departed with mrs pelham Oden to southend gerald paid a visit to lady smith mansions mrs crosby was within looking much the same as usual and she received him in quite a friendly manner he fancied that the disagreeable topic of their last conversation had vanished from her memory but her first words after greetings proved that this was not the case i am glad to see you my dear gerald she said languidly pointing to a seat but i hope you are not going to tell me any more horrors i was not aware that i had ever told you any he answered rather annoyed by her tone oh yes all that story of the lunatic whom you wanted me to look after it was just as well that i did not seeing how mad she is she is not mad insisted the young man i told you that before and i tell you again madge how often have i said that you are not to call me by my christian name you silly boy said mrs crosby irritably there is no one here gerald looked at the curtains dividing one room from the other i suppose mrs birch is not again lying down with a headache no she is out shopping and will be in soon and you needn't look so cross neither mother nor i told major rebb about your weird love affair mother overheard as she said but held her tongue madge don't i tell you major rebb may come in at any moment and i am also expecting signor venosta to afternoon tea what would either of them say if they heard you address me so familiarly gerald shrugged his shoulders and did not argue the point as you please mrs crosby i was merely taking the privilege of our age-long acquaintanceship why not friendship she inquired closing her eyes friendship then when are you to be married i can't say michael that is major rebb you know has not settled anything yet he's very much upset poor man over this crazy girl i don't believe that the girl is crazy said gerald decisively so you said before major rebb told me of his interview with you at the denley inn and how absurd you were now i suppose you will admit that you have had a lucky escape i admit nothing of the sort said haskins bluntly then added in a diplomatic manner did i know where the poor girl was i would look her up and marry her to-morrow i don't think that lunatic marriages are legal yawned mrs crosby in spite of what you say the girl must be guilty the jury brought in a verdict of wilful murder and she should be hanged 
as it is owing to her insanity i presume she will be shut up in an asylum then the major will be pleased i expect said gerald grimly no he will not he is very sorry about the affair it has brought his name before the public in a most unpleasant manner luckily every one knows how well he behaved in looking after the girl he got nothing for doing it haskins started and wondered if it would be wise to reveal the real terms which existed between mavis and her guardian if mrs crosby did not know how rev earned his income if it could be called earning he was certainly marrying her under false pretences for the moment gerald was inclined to blurt out the truth but remembering how mrs crosby had taken his last confidence he resolved to hold his tongue about the money question and to let the widow and her admirer adjust their own private affairs meanwhile the widow had gone to the tea-table which had just been set and was talking while she poured out the tea i hope that you have got over your infatuation for that girl gerald you will never see her again i expect she is dead fell into a pit or a river or something when she ran away after committing the murder poor thing it is a lucky business for her that she is dead mrs crosby said gerald ceremoniously taking a cup of tea you will insist that miss durham killed her nurse i believe from the bottom of my heart that she is innocent oh of course you would being in love said mrs crosby with a shrug but if she is innocent who is guilty major rebb no i do not accuse him how good of you my dear gerald but added the young man with emphasis you may have an idea as to who killed bellaria dundee a piece of bread and butter fell from mrs crosby's hand and she turned round with an amazed look i in heaven's name how should i know didn't your mother tell you what i said about bellaria and that coral hand which i found in your cigarette case yes the woman was afraid when she saw it do you know why she was afraid no i certainly do not could signor vinosta tell you mrs crosby rose and came forward with a glittering light in her eyes not pleasant to look at what do you mean signor vinosta gave you the amulet mrs birch told me as much if he did what then signor vinosta is an old friend of mine so long as major rebb does not object i fail to see why you oh i have no objections to offer interrupted gerald hurriedly but valeria was afraid of that coral hand which symbolized now then mrs crosby what did it symbolize i don't know she faltered and her eyes dropped after a pause she looked up i'll tell you all i know she added passing her lace handkerchief across her lips but keep what i say to yourself go on i shall say nothing to the world without your permission mrs crosby reflected i was in difficulties over money when we last met she said rapidly there was an italian money-lender a jew in the city who held a bill of mine and treated me badly i did not know what to do when i told signor vinosta in despair since he was always a good friend of mine he asked me the name of the jew and all particulars what is the name of the jew asked gerald quickly that has nothing to do with the story there is no need for you to know this money-lender was an italian jew and came from naples when signor vinosta heard my tale he detached that coral hand from his watch-chain on the very day you found us together and gave it to me saying that if i showed it to the jew everything would go well 
i put it for safety in my cigarette case which you carried off so small an object could easily be lost as you may guess when i found that my case was missing i sent mother at once to you thinking and rightly that you had taken it she brought it back well go on did you show it to the jew yes he was desperately afraid and agreed to whatever terms i chose to make so you may guess i insisted on having favourable ones that is all gerald why was the jew afraid i know no more than i know why bellaria was afraid did this italian jew from naples say anything no he turned a dirty yellow and nearly went on his knees i told him that if he did not give me my way that he would get into trouble and that i had brought the sign to show him he yielded and after our making terms he seemed glad to get rid of me but you know i know nothing she interrupted tartly and returned to the tea-table haskins wondering if she was playing a part since she knew so much it seemed to him that she must know more he tried the effect of a surprise ah the jew was probably afraid of the tana this time mrs crosby dropped the teapot which clattered on the tray with a great noise the tana society she stammered very pale the tana society said a new and foreign-sounding voice at the same time and signor venosta was shown into the room as the teapot fell mrs crosby recovered herself with an effort oh signor how are you to-day last time mr haskins you know mr haskins found you with me now you find him with me how strange she was talking for the sake of talking as gerald noted for her face was livid and her bosom rose and fell stormily the burly italian who looked perfectly self-controlled and composed eyed haskins who bore his gaze without flinching neither man took notice of mrs crosby's chatter and she sank again into her seat before the tea-table won't you sit down also you two she tittered nervously you a mention the tana society said venosta turning on the little woman and a to this a young man pardon me i mentioned it first to mrs crosby said haskins coolly what do you know of the tana society very little beyond the fact that it consists of a body of men who emerge on occasions from the den to dispense that justice which cannot be obtained by law the headquarters of the society is in naples and the symbol is a coral hand grasping a dagger signor venosta might have been hewn out of marble for all the surprise he showed at this speech but he was staggered since gerald caught the expression of his eyes may i ask how you know all of this sir gerald shrugged i see no reason to conceal the fact that by chance i carried away mrs crosby's cigarette-case during my last visit the amulet fell out when i opened the case in my rooms for a cigarette quite so assented venosta blandly but you thought no doubt that it was a merely a trinket yes such as an old friend you for instance signor venosta might give to mrs crosby ah the italian turned swiftly on the widow you have a told a him no no she said vehemently only that you gave me the trinket and that i made that jew moneylender do what i wanted by showing it to him i did not tell anything else because i know nothing else save that the coral hand has to do with some society called the tana how do you know that much even my mother told me 
mr haskins told her and how do you know demanded venosta turning toward gerald because bellaria dundee the italian started came to my rooms just before mrs birch appeared to reclaim the cigarette case bellaria was afraid when she saw the amulet and staggered out of the room crying out tana tana i asked a friend what the word meant and he told me it meant a den told me also that he had heard of the society by that name in naples i guessed then from what bellaria said and from her terror that the tana society wished to kill her venosa nodded and smiled amiably you are a clever young gentleman to piece things together so cleverly well i have heard of the name of a bellaria dundee in connection with this murder asked gerald or long ago when she was a singer and in love with enrico salviati signor venosta's brow grew dark and he frowned fiercely bellaria told you much he said striving to appear calm much assented gerald easily and not at all daunted by black looks but she did not tell me who had struck the blow or who had given the information which led to the striking of the blow she could not she is dead poor soul venosta eyed him coldly then uh, in spite of the verdict which uh, accuses an english young lady of murder you uh, believe the tanner society murdered bellaria dundee did justice on her let us say remarked gerald quietly that is the euphonious way in which you italians put such things and uh, you uh, believe uh, that i obtained the news of bellaria's whereabouts from uh, his eyes wandered to mrs crosby she sprang to her feet indignantly it is not true i told you nothing of what my mother said nothing of what she heard from gerald say that i did not tell you how could i when i knew nothing had i known of this society and your connection with it i should not have made use of that coral hand to terrify the jew i do not say that i am connected with the tana society madam you gave me the trinket which was given to me by a member of the society for use in emergencies madam i gave it to you to aid you out of friendship that is all he waved his large white hand there is no more to be said pardon me said gerald quickly there is this much to be said how did you come to know of bellaria's hiding-place if mrs crosby madam here told me nothing interrupted the italian silencing the little widow with a gesture bellaria dundee was a traitress who deserved to be killed nevertheless she hid herself so successfully that the tanner society never knew where she was until the papers said that she had been found dead in a devonshire did not an emissary of the tanner society kill her asked gerald confounded no said venosta gravely heaven punished bellaria not the tanner she is a dead stabbed but i do not know who struck the blow he looked at mrs crosby and at gerald coldly bowed slightly and left the room End of chapter nineteen